Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Theo Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, Hockey Net in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. We got a great one for you today, but before we get there, let's talk about today's episode sponsors, Clay Smiley and Profit River. Profit River is a retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States, hard-to-find calibers, rare firearms, special editions, Make sure to check them out at ProfitRiver.com. HSI Group, they're the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliant system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial, livestock, and agricultural applications. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Stop in at 3902 52nd Street or give them a call at 306-825-6310. Foremost, they offer smooth walled grain bins, hopper bottoms, and fuel tanks. They're in stock and manufactured locally. They want to ensure you know they are constructed of the highest quality and engineered for a long life. Delivery is free within 300 kilometers of Lloydminster. You can buy at any of their co-op locations, Lloydminster, Lashburn, or Neilberg. For more information, check them out at their website, foremost.ca. Lauren and Art Soul, uh, she's the lady who can uh, make your heirlooms last for a lifetime. She does some seriously cool stuff. I'm uh, always staring at the jerseys in the podcast studio. Obviously, me being a, a hockey man, I enjoy uh, making the jerseys look sharp, and she does an extremely good job of that. Uh, and I promise she won't disappoint. If uh, it, it honestly doesn't matter what you got, whether it's a jersey, photo, artwork, uh, you name it, she's framed it. She's open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So stop in at 501639th Street or give her a call, 780-808-6313. Find out how she can help you. It's more than just a frame. It's a story. Gartner Management is a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Whether you're looking for a small office or a 6,000-square-foot commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call at 780-808-5025. Have you seen the SMP billboard here in town? That is the handiwork of Read and Write. And, of course, Miss Deanna Wandler. Shout out to them. If you're in any of these businesses, make sure you let them know you heard about them on the podcast. Uh, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit SeanNewmanPodcast.com in the top right corner. Hit the contact button. Send me a little blurb about what you're looking for. We got lots of different options, and I want to find something that can work for the both of us. Now, let's get on to your T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. Originally from Edmonton, Alberta, he graduated from University of Lethbridge with a degree in biology. For the past 19 years, he's been working as a biologist for CFB Wainwright. He's got 35 ultra marathons under his belt, including the Moab 240, 13 times he's done 101-mile races, and five solo finishes at the Canadian Death Race. He's got 10 Ironmans, an Ultra 520, and the list goes on. I am talking about Shane Mascarin. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Shane Mascarin. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. 
Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by Shane Mascaren. So, thank you, sir, for hopping on. Thank you for inviting me here. Well, I, you know, I was just saying, Mackenzie Brown, shout out to Mackenzie Brown for uh, suggesting you and putting us in touch. Um, you know, you over the, you know, you you started running in 2010, and since then, like the list of marathons, ultra marathons, insanity that you've done to your body hurts my brain a little bit. So I'm I'm interested to uh, sit down with you and, and kind of get to know you and and let the listeners hear about it because I mean. It's uh, it's an interesting little story. Yeah, it's been a wild ten years. It's been from zero to hundred <laughs> in those ten years of just uh, going from yeah five k in twenty ten to uh, international races <laughs> <laughs> to so, doing the two hundred forty mile race in or the Moab two forty. I can't even spit it out right now. Yeah, Moab two forty. Well, it started as Moab two hundred, and they because of trail permits in the mountains and such, it kept. Uh, as the weeks got closer, I kept getting bigger. I went to like 220 and then 230 and up at 240 miles. So before we get into all the, the racing, and I mean, <clears throat> obviously that uh, is the, you know, the tagline of you is, right? You've, you've done all these ultras, and I'm no stranger to bringing a couple guys on that are, we've mentioned Ross Thompson and then Mikey Dubs, and uh, I, I find it fascinating, first and foremost. But let's let, you're originally from Edmonton. Yep. And you go to school for biology? Yeah, at the University of Lethbridge. At any point in those years, were you a big runner? No. No, I'm uh, running really uh, honestly started in 2010 for me. Probably, well, 09 did some laps around the rink kind of while my daughter was playing hockey and my wife was starting to, uh, to do some races, some small triathlons and kind of got the bug a little bit from that but yeah it was it was something um that was never on my radar when i was younger definitely uh when i went to university at lethbridge the irony is one of my bigger races is uh lost souls 100 miler and it's right out of lethbridge in the coolies there and it starts uh at the bar where my wife and i had our first date and i I could tell you back then <laughs> that if I if someone had told me I was going to run 100 miles from this location, I would have told them they were completely nuts. I never knew that kind of thing existed. It's just it feels funny to start the race at that location actually, because that's where I spent a lot of my university hours <laughs> and evenings down there. Um, so yeah, it came full circle back to where I started with my wife, and she was crewing me there. So it's it was an interesting uh, how life changes. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so. <laughs> You go to school, you become a biologist, and then you enlisted in the army. No, I'm a civilian. Oh, you're a civilian. A civilian, yes. So, um, yeah, so I was in. We both graduated. She is uh, an RN and has her degree in nursing as well. So that's where we met at university. And I worked some consulting, some environmental consulting after school there. And the office shut down and took a job in Wainwright. We kind of made the big step to there. It was a big step. My wife came from Calgary to Lethbridge to Wainwright. <laughs> and uh, shout out to my wife if she ever listened to this. I took my wife from Minneapolis to Hillmon, Saskatchewan. Yes. <laughs> and now we've made the big jump to Lloydminster. So, yeah. You know the feeling. <laughs> I can't. Personally, I, I know someone who can relate very well. Yes. Yeah. So it was a big jump. Um, it was probably only going to be a stepping stone 
Wainwright to get some experience um, with federal government uh, and go from there. But we've been there 19 years, and once you start, when we have kids, uh, small town living once you're used to it. Uh, I loved it. Uh, my wife took a while to get used to it, but I think now it, it's definitely home. And it's we went back to Calgary actually yesterday, and uh, traffic is crazy. <laughs> it seems we're used to. Like traffic for us is the, get stuck at the get, highway waiting for two trucks. <laughs> get stuck at the, the the single one red light in town. You're like, can't this just be a green all the time? Yes. So yeah, it was a big jump, but yeah, roots. It's home now, definitely. And what does a civilian do for the army? So I work as a my title is actually range biologist, and so I work in the environment section. There's a handful of us in there, and basically the Coles notes would be. I keep the guys in green out of trouble. So I, a lot of our military activities and such might impact like the river. So Fisheries Act, Species at Risk Act and stuff like that. So basically um, making sure we're looking after our land. We have 620 square kilometers, the military base. So we're just making sure we're, my job is just to make sure we're compliant and the place is as good as when we first kind of, when they leased so it you're out. You're taking so. lots of soil samples? Um, my coworker does more. I, I get to do more of just, I honestly, my buddies make fun of me. I, I count a lot of frogs. I count some sharp tail. I fly around doing aerial surveys, counting deer. Uh, I do the cool part of, of biology. And, uh, so a lot of times my, my weekends are very similar to my work days, uh, especially in the field season. Winter, obviously it's a little different in, in the office, but yeah, a lot of times it's, I was socially distancing before <laughs> it was a thing, and yeah, I worked by myself. I have some summer crews. So, how long have you been growing the beard for? This one is more. I go off and on, uh, in between. But this one's probably this COVID time. That's it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <whistles> That's yeah. a doozy. It comes comes pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I try. I uh, I might trim it. It'll be like five o'clock shadow or a slight beard, but uh, I'll let it go this time. So it's part of ultra running, beards and trucker hats, guys like. So So, let me ask then, in 2010, what gets you into running? And not only running, because for now, 10 years, a decade, you've been hammering off, well, here's here's the Coles notes, 1,300-mile races, Five solo finishes the death race, 10 Ironmans, an Ultra 520, whatever the heck that is. Well, I kind of got the idea. And you say six to eight big events each year, not including also the Moab 240. So, like, that's a lot, especially if you were not a runner before 2010. Yeah, it uh, it escalated quickly. <laughs> it was probably the best. That's, what, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> um <laughs> And the funny thing is we're part of a run club and I try to mentor some new runners and I tell them to do the opposite of what I do. Um, Take your time, you know, work up your distances. But yeah, so it was a spring race, 5K in 2010. 2011, I did a half Ironman. 2012, I did Ironman Canada. And then 2013, did Death Race. And then I think by 2015, I did 400 milers in one year besides other races, but so it went fast. <laughs> but yeah, six, eight races, like 
that's probably what's on my visa bill being uh, on hold because of COVID for next year. So there's a... Doesn't your body just fucking hate you? At times. I think it's... When you race a lot, it becomes... It's... uh, I don't train a lot in between some of the races. So it's actually... There's some recovery, a taper, race again. Recovery, taper, race again. So there's some there's some times that there's actually um, low mileage. I know, listening to some other guys talk, I like rest days. I haven't ran this weekend. It's good. <laughs> I'm running 100 miles in Iron Horse this next weekend on Saturday, and it's good. Like, It's knowing your body, definitely. But I know lots of people like to say their knees are going to go, whatever. I've actually have it. I don't think I've lost two weeks to injury in the 10 years. I've had no major injuries. I should knock on wood here. Um, don't get hurt this weekend, but uh, <laughs> I think you have to train smart. And I don't do big volumes. I'm not I'm not hammering out 50K practice runs and killing myself. I'm The race is the reward, and, and so, yeah, train towards it. And I think I asked Mikey Dubs this, and I might ask – uh, Mr. Ross this too. Do you enjoy it then? Yeah, do you I enjoy, do. Like that first 5K you did in 2010, did you go, hmm, why haven't I done that before? No, I hated it. <laughs> 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 I was like everyone else. You know, you had your your young life of sports and then got a job, had kids, put on the weight and, uh, and thought, oh, I've watched my wife um, race and – especially uh, watching some mini tries and such like that. And it's all middle-aged women, middle-aged men, and you're kind of like, oh, I can't be that hard. I'll do that. And it sucked. <laughs> and then a few days later, you're, oh, what should you should bump it up. But now, for the most part, yeah, it doesn't suck. I, like, I truly believe races should be the reward. It's kind of, it's those training runs and such. The work is before. So there's times, obviously, it sucks, uh, but I like to, I like to enjoy myself. So I'm probably a little unique with some of the other runners. Like I know uh, I'm not for sure, Mikey. I do not get up early to, in the morning to run. <laughs> I anyone that knows me, I hate that. I don't wake up early. I I'll run in the evening or later in the day, kind of thing. I I if it's raining and cold. I'm in the treadmill or the indoor track. I've probably done more. You're softy. <laughs> I am. Like <laughs> I've I've raced I've raced hundred milers in rain and mud. I've done some winter racing. I've done like the Berkey on cross country skis in minus thirty. I don't need to practice that. I know it's going to be hard. So yeah, I I, I don't feel like you have to like really beat yourself up to train. There's ways to enjoyable. Like I'll be the first person. When it's minus 30, I'm in the indoor track watching my daughter's practice. I've probably done more halves and marathons on 20-meter indoor tracks than most people. Like all the little rinks we're lucky in our area, Viking, um, Wainwright, Provost, a bunch of those rinks have indoor rinks. And so I can kill two hours watching hockey with the miles and I can multitask that way. And I don't have to wake up at 5 in the morning when it's minus 30. So, <laughs> so that's – I think I just keep it – different that way i for me that's how i keep going forward it's it 
So y- you mentioned, you know, y- y- you kind of, <clears throat> you're that middle age, whatever that, you know, late 30s kind of yep. thing. And then, y- you know, you kind of get into it and, y- you know, so that's a good shot of dopamine, so to speak, then. Like, it, it really bumped you up a little bit and-, and made you feel good after the fact? I think sometimes uh, part of part of why I run definitely is for uh, my mental health. It gets me out. I'm... I definitely keeps me busy, keeps my mind occupied running, looking on trails and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if I really, I don't get as much as the runner's high as I read about and stuff. Every once in a while, there's some good experiences, but a lot of times I finish and I'm kind of like, ah, what's next? Kind of like, or I could do this better next time. And so, but I think there's times that you just have the perfect workout. I really like to bike more so. Uh, there's nothing better than nailing a good strip of pavement with a decent tailwind and 50k an hour in the tri bike. <laughs> That's what like going fast. Um, like, and some of those runs or rides are definitely like that was good. Um, so there's once in a while, like every once in a while, there has to be that training run that just is ball running. This year's been our fall has been fantastic. Good trail run, good, good colors. Yeah, those are good. They don't have to be killer, like four or five hour runs, but just something to, ref- you know, recharge the soul. <laughs> I know it sounds weird. <laughs> I think light stuff's a couple hours, so it's, but it's just different. Mikey Dubs knows this. He's getting a lot of praise today. Yeah. He took me for a 5K run. I hadn't been working out. <laughs> COVID hit. And like, all, well, I mean, all of us, what? Yeah. We became hermits and in the house, and then he takes me for a 5K run, which is what? For you, Yahoo's, is probably 15 minutes. For me, it was 33 minutes, which is a slow time, but we got her done. Yeah. But I wanted to I wanted to kill Mike by the end of it. <laughs> like, I was done. I was like, okay, that, that hurt. Yeah. It's... You say it recharges the soul. Is that what you said? Yeah. I think you have those workouts every once in a while. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be fast either. Like, I think that's where some people think uh, that just because we're trying to qualify for, for me, like try to qualify for Boston or Kona or try to, you know, training for world championships or something like that, they're all hard workouts. I do lots of easy ones. I, I love every once in a while I'll go with a group run and people will be like, oh, you're, you know, you're too fast and just pick that pace. And yeah, it's fun. It's, I think you don't have to, they don't have to be all like 5K of hell. <laughs> but a lot of times I run by myself, so no one's complaining. So maybe that's uh, it. But Mikey's full of energy. and You mentioned mental health. And yeah. uh, you've been open with me uh, before we, we sat down that um, you've had some struggles with mental health and you've been trying to be very open about it. Uh, could you lead me down the path of that? Yeah, um, it's definitely uh, it's a uh, it's a strange path. Uh, I've probably struggled with mental health, obviously throughout my life. Uh, and it's hard; to, it's kind of hard to pinpoint uh, when that turning point was with my mental health. But most of the time, it's been putting whether it's school, work family now running or running I it's kind of like 110 percent kind of into that just to keep my mind busy but sometimes after a while drinking doesn't help 
working all the time doesn't help running all the time doesn't help and yeah it deteriorated in the last um couple years probably the last year has probably been the worst for me and it's just been it's been a struggle so i think that's why a good run or a good bike is is good it recharges my soul because every day is hard for me um I know a lot of people say, oh, I got bad days or good, bad days makes you stronger. Well, every day's really hard in my mind. So really bad days are really bad. I say this because I don't know. You can call me stupid. You can, you can throw the coffee across the table. I'll take it. I'll be a little bit hot, but that's yeah. okay. When you say every day's hard or tough in your brain, uh, can you kind of want, like, I just don't understand that. Yeah. I, I just, like, I have, a, you know, I don't know what a bad day is for me. And this but wind's blowing. My kid pooped on the floor and I'm irritated. I don't know. Well, that's awesome. First of all, that um, I think people that I know for myself with mental health, um, I, I'm glad other people don't understand because it's, it sucks. But so for me, I have a type of, I have a personality disorder basically, but I've been diagnosed several times with other stuff, but what do you, sorry, what have you been diagnosed with? Uh, a personality disorder. So I, ha I suffer what they kind of call uh, cluster a personality. So I, I have social anxiety. So things like this is, is different for me. Definitely okay. outside of my box. I suffer for periods of, uh, paranoid. I kind of, I'm very tough to be with because I push people away kind of and stuff like that just because I don't, it's uh, untrusting and stuff. And I get, so then I have kind of, my mind is always spitting. It never shuts off. So you're kind of always fighting. That inner voice? Yeah, kind of an inner voice or just tunnel vision at times. So a lot of times people will be, will think that you're kind of distance or grumpy or, or mean or whatever you're just in your head and you just don't really notice people around you and so it's it's weird obviously to have a family and and a career and and all that and you know to have kids and wife and stuff is is actually rare with my condition because it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a really understanding partner to do that so yeah so like some days i don't talk to people and stuff like that um I'm famous for deleting my Facebook account, coming back, <laughs> unfollowing people. And it's just because of just a trigger in my head. So it's, it's weird. Like, so when I run, I have full conversations or uh, not conversations, but I just, I'm thinking about all kinds of different things all at the same time. So it's always spinning. I, I don't sleep a lot. So, uh, probably why I don't get up early to run. <laughs> so, uh, so that was kind of working with that. Uh, it's, I'll have it forever. So it's just trying to manage it. So it's, it's a different, uh, mental health issues suck because they, the worst thing about mental health is you hurt the people you care for you the, care most. the most. Yes. Um, my wife and my kids have been through a lot. I would say the last year has been very, um, tough on them and my wife especially so it's 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 tough it's definitely like I say it's hard it's hard when you 
don't realize, yeah, you hurt the people around you until you realize that. And that's what I mean. They're hard days. They're, and they're super hard when you when it realize, oh, I was a dick for the last two weeks or whatever. And I don't even realize it at times. Well, the first thing I'll say then is thanks for hopping on. Because, I yeah. mean, obviously this is not in your wheelhouse. No. And, but I appreciate you coming to talk about it. I think that's pretty brave then. Pretty cool that you're like, you know what? Don't know this guy from a hole in the ground, but I'm going to drive an hour. We're going to hop on. We're going to see where this goes. Yeah, I, I think it's time. Um, I've been pretty open. My last, Like I said, my last year has been hard. I've been, and it's tough to say, but it's the only way you can kind of, I think we, in the last few years, um, we definitely talk about mental health more. There's lots of stop the stigma. Let's talk. But some, we have to go further than that because I think, I think, we just need to be more open of, it's not just, let's, I need someone to talk to. That's, that's for me meaningless at times. So it's, it's kind of understanding, trying to, that we just don't know what's going through that other person's head. So sometimes it's just, we just need to be kind and understanding a little bit more and, and not, it's the judgment of, of mental health, definitely. And how we kind of treat it, our system is definitely broken. I can say that for experience because I have been in the mental health hospital twice in the last year to AKA Pinoca, everyone. So it's, and that's how we kind of treat mental health right now in our province is stick it away in a hospital. And yeah, so it's, I I would say this, um, as a guy that I don't think, wow, I just, I haven't had mental health problems at least not that i know of yeah friends and loved ones may think different (laughs) but i think i think uh talking about it uh, and being open about it helps guys like myself understand because i just uh, i see uh when you say we've been more open about mental health and bell let's talk comes to mind right yeah it's like great yeah great i'm all for it i have no idea what the heck's going on but like i'm all for it but the more people that come on and share about it i think then everybody can be kind of like oh Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's, I think that's the next step. I think it's acknowledging there's something out there, and yes, let's talk about it. But then you need, we need to be prepared as a society not to kind of judge after the fact, because it's, you can see it in people's faces. And I'm like, yeah, I've been to, to Pinoca, and they're like, oh, <laughs> and it gets quiet, right? That let's talk kind of, they don't know what to say. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going wild ass crazy right now and stuff. It's just, when there's issues, there's issues. And uh, our system, like I was saying, is we just need that support. Uh, I was, the first time I was in Pinoca, I was in there for a couple weeks, and I saw a doctor a couple times, and they release you, and they think everyone, you come back to work or what? Well, you're fixed. Well, no, I I basically was locked, you know, in a wing and uh, got out for air once in a while and had, you know, had a open... You know, room. It's it's. I haven't been to jail, but it, the mental health hospital isn't uh, probably much of a step up. So it's it's an interesting, but it wasn't overly helpful. I was gonna ask. <laughs> I'm in untra or un. I'm in territory I've never been down and into. Yeah. So, when you talk about going to the the mental health hospital, the yep. Padonka, like is that a 
is that a good experience for you? Like, do you come out of there and be like, you know, you're kind of alluding to a little bit of it, but like, do you come out of there and you're like, oh, I feel a little bit better or, um, or no? Well, my two experiences have been completely, I guess, different. The first time I went, and I mean, the main place I think mental health hospitals um, are needed for when you're at risk. But once you're, as a, for me, it's I when I tunnel vision, I've had two suicide attempts. That's why I've been in them. Um, but once you kind of are out of that tunnel, yeah, I need to talk. I need some therapy and stuff like that. But being locked up really isn't really helpful so it's it's different once you're kind of over that self um harm time you need that support and that we don't have like when i was there yeah it was well you need one-on-one counseling but it's a three-week wait to get in that even at the hospital so it's like well i don't plan on being here three weeks hopefully so there is no i think people think you go see it on tv you go to therapy you go to this you see a doctor maybe once a day for five minutes or someone else. So what, do you, what did you do the rest of the time? You actually talk to a lot of people like yourself. It's probably the best part of that experience is you start to realize people on the street that you kind of walk by and judge, you don't know what's going on in their life. You meet definitely some people that have had some abuse, some at, you know, addiction issues, mental health issues, severe enough to get there. And you're all there and there's nothing, you don't have to hide. I know why you're here. <laughs> you know why I'm here, right? So it's you have conversations with people. I think there's more s- self-help with the patients-to-patient talk because there's not a lot to do. Um, but the first time I kind of, my attitude of uh, being a 110% guy and active is, I used it as a training camp. I got like 45 minutes <laughs> an hour to of exercise at a time. I would go run outside. I brought some, I had some change of clothes. They had a swimming pool there. I think I was the first person to ever ask, could I swim for an hour? They kind of look like you're crazy. And uh, once, you're, once you swim, they're like, oh, I've never saw anyone swim that far before. So I did a couple like 3K workouts and stuff in the pool. And it was like a 50-meter hot therapy pool. But I just did what I normally did and just tried to stay as – it was weird because <laughs> everyone you talk to be like, you're like, yeah, I've done some Ironman. They're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. So – I, I tried to stay normal and that I could beat it just by being active and fit. And that like, and I actually left the first time. And three days later, later I raced Ironman Arizona. I basically came out packed. My wife came with me to make sure I was okay. I was had some severe social anxiety getting there in the plane and getting there. But yeah, I had a I think eleven and a half hour Ironman did really well, but it was odd. <laughs> so when people have excuses of race of oh I didn't feel good the day before or whatever I'm you like, literally yeah. came out of a yeah I spent two weeks and came out and raced and raced yeah but I don't think I took it as seriously just because I was like oh, I'm getting out of here and that's all I kept asking my doctor I have a race I have plane tickets in three weeks can I can you get me out of here kind of thing and that's all I was focused was getting out the second time was more severe um and it was shorter, but I had to probably hit rock bottom in April. And shit, that isn't that long ago. No. No, so yeah, April, end of April, beginning of May, I got out. So in between that, again, so people have this, I think, opinion that 
depression people and anxiety people lay in bed, don't shower, don't do nothing. Well, I got out, did Ironman, went on, you know, took my daughter to all her events, trained, did another 100K in the spring, ended back up. So fitness doesn't cure it for me. <laughs> it probably helps a bit, but you can still be active, still be a professional, still have a family. So it's that's where I think that health, mental health message has to come out. You can still be high functioning. It's rare, definitely, but um, you just... You just never know what's going through some people's. That's where I go back. We just need to be kinder and be more open. And it's okay to have this conversation. But yeah, so April, I I had an overdose. Went to hospital. Was there for a day or so. Got went sent to Pinoca. Got back out. I think my family had enough. And it was a hard stay to get the trust back. But I definitely hit rock bottom that time. And... My life has been incredibly better in the last five, six months. And, uh, but it's almost breaking down and just rebuilding again, mentally, really fighting, but they're still really hard days, definitely. Is there, is there anything that like, you know helps? I find talking about it does now. Uh, I've gone back to, I go to weekly therapy. Uh, I have a good support. I've changed some stuff. I've changed some of my professionals that are giving my support and I have a trust. I don't think I had a trust before. I think, unfortunately, I had to hit bottom maybe for some of my my couple, my, I think maybe my wife, it's hard, I don't want to speak for her, but um, she's been through hell, but uh, um, with that, but I think the core friends realized um, that I needed help and stuff. So yeah, so there, there's more discussion like on our runs. Hey, how are you doing? You're, you know, you're doing okay. I'm on a really low dose of med, so it's not a lot of that. It's more self thought. It's the it's trying a bit of everything. It's trying some massage, trying some you know stretch therapy. It's doing yoga. It's doing. I was going to ask does meditation. Does does did yoga help or me, or meditation for that matter? Yeah, it's really hard for me. Like it's funny. Yeah. I would rather run Mohab than half half an hour meditation because it is for me to shut off my mind is like. But <laughs> but running would be, and I could be wrong on this. I know what running is for me, and my brain uh, is constantly going. Uh, so I. I feel that I can kind of understand the, the brain not wanting to shut off. I, I yeah. get that. But when you run, it's like a physical endurance distraction. Whereas when you do yoga or meditation, it forces you to deal with it. Exactly. And yeah. like wrestle with it. And I would think like anything, if you could become good at that, maybe you could um, develop the skill in order to keep yourself from, but hell, I'm no doctor. Yeah. Don't take it as that. No, I, and I agree. I think, again, the, in the past for me, I, we used to have a saying, but we try not to use it anymore. I call it pre, pre-Shane or 45-year-old Shane, 46-year-old Shane. It's, it's really been a turning point is that I think the past me, I'd go to yoga, go to those things and go, oh, yeah, I just, I'm there just to stretch my body to get my hip flexors so I can get faster. And this mumble jumble of, 
you know, let your, leave, let your thoughts leave the room, all that stuff they talk about. I just, whatever. <laughs> now I'm actually <laughs> trying that because it's definitely helpful. And probably a key thing is probably the, it, and it's, it's kind of like good and bad is I'm definitely medicated at night. I, I, I take sleeping pills now on a daily basis. So I knock myself out, uh, which is great. I think I'm, I'm mentally better that way, but I mean, it is a, you know, you're basically addicted or p- dependent on something to sleep. Sleep, yeah. Yeah, and it's tough as a parent, as you know, like my kids are in the teenage years and those troubling calls, you want to be there for me at the middle of the night. My wife's had to take them a few times or there's been some times where they didn't want to call or some because that dad's like loopy, right? So. So basically in my house, it's kind of like the routine. We do get the coffee ready for the next day and all that stuff. And then I'm normally the kids. Do you need anything? Because in half an hour, I'll be not very functional for a while. And that kind of sucks too, like to tell your kids. <laughs> it's been really hard, that part. Uh, parenting's tough enough, but it's definitely tough when you you're you have to show weakness to your kids. Uh, I know the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, well, is to apologize some of my behavior with my wife just from letting my you know my mental health go was you know telling your kid that yeah I I'm sorry about you know my suicide stuff and yeah to hear from your daughter I don't want you to die those are tough conversations um but you know we had it out hunting and we were talking and just just sitting outside and having that discussion they're tough but I had to have them and so I think we have a unique relationship in our household and it's it's different but it's it works now that's some heavy stuff yeah it's that's what i mean every day's it's hard so that's why running for me is a release it's something ultra running especially the longer the distance goes the less physical it gets and more mental it oh even short running it's in your head people quit because of their mind, not their body. Your body can be amazing. Like, I've ran my body through whatever. It's normally your mind, but for me, that's that's my... You deal with that anyway. Yeah, so, like, I know going into an ultra, there's going to be dark times, and that's what I've always told. I, I know I, I've told a few um, runners in the Lloyd group and stuff that were getting ready for their first ultras the last few years. It's not going to be all Instagram and Facebook. There's going to be some ugly times. There, I call them dark times. You're going to want to quit. Just don't, because they always stop. If you wait long enough, walk it out, whatever, sit, they come. But for me, I'm like, I know they're going to, because life has to continue, and life's continued for these 46 years through this stuff, is I know it'll be over. So I just, when they come, I just almost relish them. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Here we are again. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the best you got, brain? And that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of probably my advantage deep in a race is I'm not going to quit. Um, I, I mean, I have it. Obviously, your listeners can't, but... Uh, <laughs> He's got a tattoo of I will not quit on his arm. Yeah, so um, I got that after my first suicide attempt. And it's to try to remind in those dark times, but they're good for... Um, it helps in running to look because, yeah, it's most people's weakness in running and stuff is is quitting and it's not their body 
your body's going to hurt. The blister's going to be there, but it's going to be there tomorrow whether you quit or not. So you might as well just, you might as well get to the finish. 100%. They're going to heal. You can pretend that knee's going, that tweak in your knee or that uncomfortable is like an ACL tear, but it's not. If Basically, unless there's bone sticking out, you can probably move forward, but it's your mind wanting to. Like I've puked over, like Mo had, I had every experience in the, in, in the book. So you gotta, I, I don't mean to pry too much. Yeah. So if this is prying too much, you once again can whip that coffee off the wall. That's fine. I've, I've, uh, I don't know if I just haven't dug deep enough into it or not. I want to get into the Moab, but yeah. before we do, you mentioned, uh, multiple times, uh, trying to attempt suicide. I don't know, and and maybe you can explain it. How do you get to that point where that's where you're at? Um, it's a good question. I, I think it's a question I really don't have an answer for, and that makes it probably the most frustrating part to manage and probably why you get multiple, every doctor you see, like you see different ones when you're in the hospital, so you don't get to see the same one. Um, everyone as a guess. It's probably my main beef as a scientist with social sciences. You're just guessing. <laughs> and it, it's frustrating for me because I'm a data guy, right? So I have no idea. Most times, um, I think my last attempt, I was actually registered for a web. I w- registered that day for a webinar on invasive species or something like that, like the next day. So it's not like... You weren't thinking about... No, it's normally it's... there. Are it's a series of a, a week or longer days as they digress down. And then by then my brain, it's normally tiredness. Like then I can't sleep. And then it normally the dark side wins. Everyone's. You got to tell that dark side to fuck off. Yeah. And it's, and there are a lot of time there are conversations like that. And unfortunately they have, it, it has won twice. Um, luckily. Yeah. I'm still here. Uh, but I don't really have an answer and it's, and it's been just, you know, seen lots of doctors and it. It's weird because it's hard to explain. And I think that's the hardest part of, of understanding mental health. We just can't see what's going on in our minds. But for me, yeah, it's normally a tunnel vision where it just, it makes sense at that time. But as soon as you wake up the next day or you're like that, that was wrong. It's not that I don't know right or wrong and stuff. It's just, at that time, it just seemed, and it's not that I even have, I want to die. I just want it to stop. Like, I just want the brain to stop. And sometimes it just, yeah, it's just to the point that I can't stop it. So that that inner voice, it's funny. Like, dude, you're pretty, like, you're a pretty cool guy. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting here. I don't, I hope that coming across in the, in, in, the, in the podcast, I hope people are like, wow, this is. Oh, we're not like, talking about running. <laughs> no, well, but, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you, you show up, you're this, uh, you know, healthy looking dude, kick ass fucking beard on his head, uh, a big horn hat on. You look like, you look like you're ready to run the Canadian Death Race, right? Yeah. And you sit here and you talk. You got a smile on your face, and then you go into this dark place. And I'm like, how did like I? Here's the thing about um, mental health, suicide, that kind of thing. We all know somebody pretty close to us that either has tried has succeeded like there's a lot and every day there's there's more and it's 
it's that's the reason why I ask. It's because I just I yeah. ha- I play I play the scenario in my head, and I'm like, I just don't know how you get there. And for you, it's the brain won't shut off. Yeah. Yeah, and and like it's funny because when you like with a lot of promos and stuff, it's you know get active, get fit, or I mental health gets cured by fitness. Well, I could tell you if running cured mental health, I'd be one of the sanest people around and I'm definitely not. Doesn't I'm not saying it doesn't help some people oh, or yeah, yeah. whatever, but there's more to it. <laughs> and there's definitely um it's a yeah, it's a shitty thing, definitely. And it's again it's and it's hard to get support. It's we talk about it, but it's I am I'll be honest, last week, I actually had some bad days. It, there was some stereotypical days where I was like, I don't even remember the last time I showered. or And I would have some afternoon naps. I took some time off, like a day off of work. And it was like, fuck. Like, and I was like, I'm doing everything right. And I'm fairly happy. I have no stresses right now. You know, my family life is is good. We're back on track. You know, like it's we're supporting each other. The kids are doing good, you know, um, activities starting up again, but I'm still feeling this way. And so uh, I had some talk with like my therapist and she's like, I will get you back in to see a psych doc and maybe just need a, you know, a bump with meds or something like that. Well, it's, I don't get into, I think it's end of November. Before you get in. Yeah. And I'm a priority case. (laughs) So our system is really broken. I just think of it, and I don't want to go into big talk about like with, you know, COVID money and stuff, but I think of if we just gave a fraction of the money we're giving to that kind of stuff, like even the amount of disposable mass there's probably spent in this province a day back to like mental health would make a difference. It's, yeah, it's too much. And, it's, and because of COVID, it's Zoom. It, COVID time, I mean, there's lots of things to complain. We've lost, you know, our activities in sports, but for the people that really need help, it really sucks. When I got out of in May, I couldn't see a doctor and because of my personality and, and stuff, I really need to see someone. That's why I, I wanted to come here, like to talk a conversation. It's very helpful for me for my trust issues and stuff like that. So, but you can't see a doctor in person. So it was all, you need to be Zoom, but most of them weren't even doing that kind of stuff because they weren't set up or whatever. So it, you come out of the mental health and there's no doctors to see. Um, and most of it was because of COVID. But, and I mean, there's some extreme cases, but most extreme cases, they just ship you to the hospital. <laughs> like it's just kind of round and around. So you get to be afraid to say, I need help because. You're not going to get any anyway. No, and I know where you're sending me. <laughs> and it's not, it's not what I need, right? So it's a, it's a difficult time and it's, it's, I think it's really scary for the people with mental health. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, for everyone, but I mean, add, it, add the rest of, you know, job uncertainty, unemployment and all that. And with have, not having the resources, it's, it's a tough. So that's why we need to have these discussions and get it out more, I think, and, and be more supportive of each other. Yeah, well, that's something we can all do, right? Yeah. Be more supportive of uh, our communities that we're in. Yeah. That's, that's the easiest thing. But I mean, what you're talking about, like... This COVID thing, you know, man, it's been tough. I just, I don't know. Like, you're a guy who deals with uh, this on a daily basis. For a lot of people, they keep themselves busy so they don't have to focus on uh, 
you know, maybe what's going on around them at home, wherever. And then when everything slowed right down, we all had to deal with it, right? Because there was nothing to distract yourself with because you literally couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, even for myself, I'm a biologist. I work by myself. I'm working from home. I'll use quotation marks because it's really hard to do field work from my, my laptop. <laughs> like That's the honest you know, truth. But And you're stuck at home. It's hard and everyone's frustrated. Uh, my kids, my daughter danced all year. Just as the first competition was the day, was going to be the day out. Like it was Friday. She was all ready to go. Saturday was going to be her first competition of the year. And that's when everything got canceled. So she, all year, to, it was just like, it'd be like practicing for four months for hockey and never getting to play a yeah, game. Poof, <laughs> and then, you know, hockey was like all the summer sports. My race season was canceled. Um, I'm a race director. I I started our a running group um, in Wainwright, and uh, yeah, now we're trying to do it. You know, all of a sudden you're doing do it virtually. You're trying to do all this stuff, and it's everyone's frustrated. Not just the work part, but even our releases are gone, right? So and everybody's yeah. You can start to see more of society starting to rebel against it. Just like don't matter. Man, I, I don't care if I get sick or not. Like, I, you locking me up in this place and not letting me go do that is making me a little more, like, antisocial, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, and it's, well, it's, and it's tough at our house because I get frustrated with COVID and stuff, and my wife's a merge nurse, and she's dealing with it. And, I mean, we've been, she, you know, been tested and quarantined for what, when they had an outbreak in Wainwright, you know, and stuff like that, so... She's dealing with it every day, so um, who am I to complain to her about it, right? <laughs> so, she's all suited up every day. Uh, and I can't really complain about wearing a mask, so uh, just to go to the store. So they're they're, they're awkward conversations in our house. So, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting time for sure. Let's talk about the Moab Two Forty. Yeah, let's do this because Kay. you know I watched the. Um, I would say this to any listener who's uh, has no idea what we're talking about. I would say pause it, go on YouTube, search Moab Two Forty. There's a bunch of different videos on a breakdown of what he does, but you can explain it to people. But like you essentially run for what eighty five to one hundred and ten hours straight. Yeah. Roughly? Yeah. So I think I ended up running just around ninety hours or something when I did it, and it's it's a it's a tough race. It's definitely, I mean, the distance is always tough, but it's, it's beautiful country, but it's unforgiving as well. It's definitely, it, it was a, being the first year they had some hiccups with some of the setups and such, but, uh, it was, it was basically the first hundred miles was in this red stone, red dust desert and, the aid stations at these events are spread out, so they'd probably be anywhere from 15 to 22 miles apart. So, I mean, that's for us on like that's a long run on a weekend or something. But that's fully rested, full, you know, with some water. But you're packing your stuff, and as the race progresses, those stints are becoming seven, eight hours on your own, and you're spending most of the time alone. I it'd be hours you wouldn't see someone on the race course. So it's, it's beautiful country, but yeah, the desert, I think it was plus 30 when we were in the hottest part of the, and no water. 
I'm used to running like here, you know, at least you can wet yourself down or something, drink out a slew if you had to kind of thing, but there was nothing. And then we, it ends up, you know, zigzagging through two different mountain passes. I, I believe it's like 30,000. 29,000 and change elevation, elevation. Yeah. climb and decline. Yeah. So we go over two different mountain ranges and it's, yeah, it, it, and it's, it's beautiful, but it's, it was an interesting, it's kind of, the race start was something I'd been to, you, you kind of go and they take your picture, they do some stuff before and after how you look and you get a physical before you go and they have an aids, fully paid aid, you know, first aiders and it, it, it was different. And it was some elites. There was, um, anyone that I know, um, Joe Rogan, if you follow his, he has Cameron Hayes on a yeah. few times. I remember I was about 60, 70 miles in and I run up to him and I was like, well, I'm probably going too fast. <laughs> so you kind of run in and spend some miles with some interesting guys. And and for me, it was being some of the who's who of the, the ultra running. So that was pretty cool. It was, it was neat to see them. It was the big like big chunks of change without seeing people or aid uh, my wife came down to crew crew me she crews a lot of my races actually my kids help too but there you can only get to half the aid station so there's a lot of drop bags so you're hoping you guessed right to where you're going to like is it going to be di- dark or like headlamps and stuff so <laughs> once the schedule starts to go wonky it starts to get serious because it's it's um you're not just running like around here, there's a farmhouse, you know, or something, and there's just no one living. So you, you're packing all that stuff basically in a, in a vest and backpack kind of thing of running backpack and hoping you plan right. <laughs> Cause there's not a lot of room for air at times. It's. What the hell is 90 hours straight up due to your brain? It messes it up. It definitely, that's a race that has so many ups and downs because each night just starts to to change how your mind works, how your body works. I When I ran through the desert, so I got about 110 miles. So I got through the first night. I ran with this Marine guy that was just hardcore but made me laugh throughout the night. And he was kind of giving me some stories and didn't really hint a lot of his past. I ended up Googling him afterwards and he was some war hero. He got some medal, killed a bunch of guys in Afghanistan and stuff. You would have no one running with him, but really we got through the first night and that wasn't too bad. But by the second night I got sick, like I was so hot. Uh, the temperature changes really messes up your body as you get tired from the heat to the cold, the desert nights. Um, so I, I'd been puking for a couple hours, got to an aid station. I was like 110 miles in, furthest I'd ever ran before. I look wait, at my wait, <laughs> pin that for a second. What was the furthest you'd ran up to this race? 100 miles. So you have done 100 miles, and you decide, you know, what, let's double it. Actually, let's over double it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You may carry on. Okay, <laughs> you're at the first aid station. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, so 100 miles in, I, I think it was the second time I'd saw my wife in the two days. And I, I'm i like, I don't think I can do this. And she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, and I was like, I don't feel good. And I don't think I want to walk for like five more days. <laughs> like, I don't think I really want to do that. 
and she's like, well, I have a, like the best thing about Moab and all the D Destiny trail races is their aid stations are beyond belief. You walk in, you're like, you want a burger? Yeah, sure. They cook you a burger. You want bacon? Sure. You want some cheese? You want some avocado? <laughs> whatever. In the morning, cook you an omelet or burrito or whatever they eat in Arizona kind of, or, Mo or Utah area. Um, so I got some food and I'm like, yeah, I still, I can't keep this down. And uh, I was really close to quitting at that time. And I, she's like, you have, you're a day ahead of the cutoff. Like, and other people are like, you got lots of time. Just take some time. But at that time, you think the world is ending. Right. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, you're halfway there. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's still, you know, th at least I three more days. <laughs> like, It's not like, it's only like, you know, like in a race, you're like, you're almost there. Well, no, I'm not really there. Like, and halfway is still like a hundred and some miles. So it, yeah, we're not talking a 5K. I got another couple, you know, 20 minutes of running and away I'm there. And we're... Yeah, so it was a re it was probably my downest point of the whole race at that point, and she actually just got me some gravel, knocked me out. I actually laid down in our rental van for, and I got probably about an hour of sleep, a rough sleep, and uh, I woke up. I'm like, bam, I'm good. I'm like, give me my shoes. And I ran next 50K, like seven hours or something like that. Like I was actually running and I was like, giddy up. But it was so, I learned that and they had talked about it is you can reset your stomach basically if you can get half an hour, 45 minutes of sleep. And that's kind of how a lot of the, you progress through is you don't need a couple hours because then you really stiffen up and stuff like that. But if that stomach is starting to go, just lay down and just, get some sleep so and it really had charged recharged me to the point that I was going faster than I thought and so I was running low on food and it was the second night and <laughs> I'm running through the desert I'm like I'm out of food now, now I'm finally running good and I want to eat so I'm running running all of a sudden my headlamp hits this I see the sparkle so I'm going to drop some a, a gel or two on the trail and I'm like so there if people that don't know gels kind of liquid sugar basically in a container I'm like giddy up I like eat this random gel in the middle of the desert so it dropped just randomly and just probably like the only gel I saw out there I ate this I have no idea what type it was or whatever I just bang ate that and carried on and then I almost beat my wife to the next aid station and then it went good for a while again it was it was interesting because as the nights go on you start to uh, hallucinate so, so, so what do you hallucinate about? So I think I was probably day th night three. I had to go across the LaSalle Mountains. So they're about 12,000, I think, uh, elevation. It's a lot higher than, I think, what's Canmore's or 9,000 or something okay. like that. So it was pretty, like... It's a pretty decent climb. It's a good climb. It was, I heard it was nine Fahrenheit at the summit. I don't know. I had everything I had on and I was freezing. Like everything I had in my pack... I come off, the, and so you just pin it down the summit. I'm coming down the summit. I'm like cold, tired, third night. And for some reason, I sit there looking. I'm like, I've been here before. I'm like, I think my daughter played hockey here. <laughs> and then, again, I'm having that conversation in my head, and this wasn't even crazy, Shay, and this was just like hallucinating. I'm like, you weren't ever here. <laughs> like, this is the middle of, like, the mountains. But, and then you're... And part of you is like, well, yeah, I think I have been here. And I've never been to Utah before. <laughs> so it was like, so you have this conversation. And then finally you're like, 
no, no. And you, you carry on, but you start to think all of a sudden you're like, you're starting to see like, you know, the random stuff stumps look like a snake or something like that. But as you, you're starting to play tricks that all of a sudden you're like, am I going the right way? And then like a start not sure where you are anymore and like what you're doing. And it, it takes a while to kind of refocus your brain as, and I mean, just stay up for three nights and just see, let alone run, but just stay up for three days and see how you're functioning. So you're trying to cover map read, um, see these flaggings. And so I'm going through down the mountain pass and here's a guy laying on the trail sprawled across the trail. And first I'm like, is that really a guy? And you kind of like, you kind of like touch him. And it's like, yeah, it's a dude. And it's the first guy I'd saw in the whole leg. It'd been hours since I'd saw anyone. And he had hurt his knee and it's like, yeah, I'm laying here. I'm like, I don't think you can, man. Like you're going to die out here. Like it's cold. And so we ended up, uh, I ended up running or walking with him back and he kept going, leave me. And we'd been, I think by now we're 200 miles in or something like that. And 180 I'm like, ah, I'm sure Courtney's already won this race. So don't, we're not, we're not podium here. So I'm going to walk with you to get you back. And so he hobbled and we get back into this aid station again, night three. And, uh, I make sure he's okay. And I sit down, take my shoes off and it ends up being, I need to sleep. Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm not making sense to my wife. The first aid people are like, you need to get some sleep. I go, okay, I agree to go lay down. And my wife grabs my shoes. And I'm like, those aren't my shoes. And we ha ended up getting into basically this verbal <laughs> argument over my shoes. And I was convinced they were someone else's shoes. She's like, I just took these off your feet. So you you just start seeing things. And it <laughs> just goes. <laughs> and you just, so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll sleep. And so they're just, everything starts to make everything's hard. Like it just, these little decisions, like putting your shoes on is becoming these kind of big obstacles and such like that. And then I think the next day, another, I'd been running for a while and there's these turkeys on the road and we don't have wild turkeys here. Right. So then I was like, what the fuck are those things? <laughs> Cause it's like, it's like, it's like, you're just not sure what's real anymore. or What's not, they were real turkeys, but it took a while to realize. What did it feel like to go across the, the finish line? That was good. It was, um, it's a really tough finish to that race because you're about 220 miles and you actually come into town and you still have 20, they loop you around the mountain that overlooks Moab. <laughs> so you're 220 miles in. Bastards. And I actually go by my, I'm a, I'm like 200 meters from our hotel. <laughs> it's a walk. And my wife actually ran the five, or walk with me the 5k through town and then up up there i'm like okay i'll see you in a couple hours <laughs> for the last bit but and when you come down you run again like you're kind of this i call it the ultra shuffle kind of thing you're slow moving by then but yeah you kind of run it in and it's it's hard to explain because it's like how many people finished it that first year do you know no i think i think there might have been close to 100 or something like that. That finished it? I think so. And how many people started? 150 or something like that. It actually has a pretty good um, success, rate. success rate compared to a lot of others. But I think because you're having 
really experienced people. Like you have to run a hundred miles race and some, you have to have a running resume basically to get in. So it was a good race. I think I was like 30th or something like that. And there was times like I never thought I was going to finish. So I was quite, quite happy. Still a day behind, I think, the winner, but <laughs> by then time's really relevant at that. Like All I can think of is, A, you're married to a saint. Yes. Because I can't imagine, like, my wife or me going with my wife. I'm watching her go through that over and over and over again because you've done a ton of these. Uh, maybe not to that extreme, or maybe you have to that extreme a couple of times, but, uh, I mean, like, it's got to be tough on her. Yeah, I, I think crewing in an ultra is just as tough as running it. Not only because they're waiting for hours and you kind of have this rough kind of idea of what you're going to do, but the weather, the course, everything changes. 100 miles is still 100 miles or, you know, 200 miles. So there's a lot. Her and my kids have spent a lot of time waiting <laughs> for me. Uh, they've seen me, you know, not my finest hours for sure. Uh, nothing like uh, puking in front of your kid and pub and putting some uh, chafing cream on your privates, like just right there because that's what you need. <laughs> there, but uh, but my wife actually prides herself, I think, in in having nailing the crewing. Like it's part of, we're a team. It's no doubt about it. Um, like when you race at Moab, there's people with pacers and and paid crew and stuff like that. So I think, you know, hanging out with some of the topper end, it's pretty cool for us as a couple. And yeah, she missed actually me at one time and the next check station I saw she was bawling. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, and, and at Mohab, I think, I don't know how many miles she put on her rental car because it's all over you. Like it's. That's it. <laughs> so what are you guys doing for your holidays this year? Well, we're going down to the Moab to run a two, 240. She's going to drive around and follow me, and that's what we're going to do for family holidays. Yeah, that's our family holidays. We uh, went to Vegas. I ran 100 miles there. They uh, went. Yeah, it's just 100 miles <laughs> of shame. Like, that's not a big deal. We, we did the strip. I go run. And uh, they went to Fremont Street. They come back. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing So, yeah, our holidays are kind of mixed into those kinds of things. Uh, the kids know I, I tried to make uh, pretty much every dance recital I can get to, every hockey practice, every game in the winter and spring is, is for them. And then summer, you're you're doing the opposite for dad. <laughs> you're uh, There's been like a... At uh, Ultra 520, it's a three-day triathlon. It's self-supported, and they're on the highway giving me uh, water bottles on the bike, and uh, they're pretty cool. They have been at various races. They dress up as bananas. They dress up, again, talk about hallucinating. I was at at, at uh, Ultra 520. At, it's an 84K run, and uh, I don't know, 60K, and I come around a corner on this forestry road, and they're dressed up as Mickey and Minnie Mouse, <laughs> and they're kind of like, my seeing stuff and <laughs> that's my kids <laughs> so they get into it uh you wonder if they have the conversation by this time he'll be hallucinating what can we do yeah, to really i think they do sometimes <laughs> uh so but it's good uh they've ran some stuff you know sometimes i've looped races i've done some of those where you kind of run every mile or yep. something like that they've come out and they'll do a lap i i did 
after I got out of uh, Pinocchio in May, I, I did a mental health awareness uh, at home out of my driveway. And I did 100, 100 or 101K loops of my block. And uh, so they crewed me there. And I had friends. I had um, Mikey from here came. I, I actually never did a single loop uh, by myself. So that's pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah, I have a good support crew. And yeah, and my kids helped out everyone else. And it's just part of our our life. But it was something, yeah, that was a good experience too, just to to bring awareness. You kind of have to do some weird stuff sometimes just to, and my neighborhood is used to me doing some running all the time. So they got to see me a hundred times by their, their house. Do you enjoy the challenge? I'm going to call it challenge of what you, uh, yeah. Of the pure, like, like, I don't know, man. We talked about 5k right off the hop of this thing. And you're like, it sucked. Now you're doing, I don't know what's what's the longest you've ran in a race now. M- most months. Mo- Mohab, it's been the longest. Yeah, two hundred forty miles. Yeah, like that hurts my brain a little bit to even fathom. You know, I watched Mikey do the uh, backyard marathon, yep. and I was there at I forget what time, and he was in hour like twelve, and I think he did nineteen hours. And I apologize, Mike, if I got that wrong, but. Something right along yeah. that, and I remember thinking like, "That's that's a lot." Yeah, well, it is yours, a lot, it is. Yeah, but what you did was on steroids. <laughs> oh, they're all, you know, they're just all different. Um, they're all different challenges. But yeah, I, th- I, but you enjoy it. I do. I, I like. This year, with COVID, it gave me a chance to do some weird stuff. I did two of those back here. I did. 100k of the backyard challenge on my treadmill just to see i'd only ran like 20k on my treadmill before i'm like can i run 100k on it yeah i can so now i know and yeah i got to 100k and and how was that i had enough like (laughs) (laughs) i was actually gonna run 100 miles and i got to 100k part and i'm like my body was still okay and i'm like and my kids are kind of looking they're kind of sick of me hogging the wi-fi you know on the Cause you had to hook up so they could the zoom and then I was running Netflix and they're like, I'm like, I think I'm not going to run all night. And my kids are like, nah, it's good. <laughs> like, everyone was like, cause to me it's hundred K and the next step's a hundred miles. There's no real, like, there's no use quitting. So it's like, do I really want to run a, another night on the treadmill? I'm like, no, hundred K is good, but they're neat challenge. I do like the challenge. I tried to, there's a thing called Eversting which is trying to uh, climb the elevation of Everest on a bike, or you can run it, but you have to use the same hill. You go up and down on Strava. So I tried on a river hill that's 50 meters, so I had to do it like 180 times. I only got to 5,000, I think, uh, meters, so I don't know how many feet. But I got base camp level, but yeah, it's a neat challenge. Like I did 22 hours of going up and down the same 50k or 50 millimeter, 50 meter vert uh, hill on the river because we don't have anything big. But I wanted to see if I could do it on the prairies. <laughs> that once again hurts my brain. But yeah, they get it gets weird because sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? It got it why got, are why why are you doing it? Um, I don't know. It's. I mean, it doesn't pay. No, uh, no. So it, I mean, it costs me lots of money. Um, but, it, but in fairness, any hobby uh, yeah. is going to cost money. Yeah, that, that, that's the nature yeah. of that, right? 
but this is a this is very different than most people and it's not like i don't know man like some of the things you're talking about i'm like oh that sounds like like just not fun whatsoever and usually hobbies are fun yeah and so everything has its moments definitely and i think it's just to me it's the challenge it's kind of like okay i did that what's kind of harder or what's and it's and some people want to be faster right and um it hasn't been i mean don't get me wrong i want to qualify for boston and i want to be fast and i've been lucky and i've podiumed on some ultras and stuff so it's not like i'm just you know skipping along the way but to me it's more about the challenge and it's and sometimes yeah it's like what's kind of harder out there and and then I was like, oh, has so, anyone ever ever on the prairies? And I looked on the database, no one has. I'm like, okay, I'll go try to do that. So, <laughs> And sometimes you fail, and that's okay. I learned that going down 60K an hour in the dark, my lights were not good enough, and fog sucks in the dark because you can't see. But uh, on a highway, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> life is full of learning lessons. And when you're a little bit, I guess I won't say... Uh, suicidal but when you're kind of living on the edge of time sometimes you 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 make some weird chances and sometimes you're like and for me it's good to go this isn't a good idea and i kind of quit and i'm that actually makes me happy i was like hey okay being safe today <laughs> and it's they're they're just challenges just i for me it's i don't want to get bored in my mind so i just i see something like, oh, i'll give that a go so what is a race you what's I think of the, every time I, I have you guys, one of you guys on that runs a lot like this, I watched a documentary, my wife and I did, and I don't know how we got onto it, but it was the Barkley Marathons. Yeah. I assume you know what I'm talking about. That is, is that something that interests you? A little bit. It reminds me of every bad sheep hunt I've been on, though. You're kind of lost in bushwhacking in the middle. <laughs> that one doesn't seem... I mean, I think it's on the radar there. It doesn't... Uh, for listeners uh, that have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, and you probably know it better than I do, it's a 100-mile it's uh, ultra, isn't it? Yeah, I, but I think they think it's quite a bit longer. It's Yeah, it's kind of this secret kind of... Yeah, it's this weird race. It's yeah. got a really cool theme to it where you run the first leg of it the one direction. Then yeah. when you get back to base camp or the finish line you turn around and run it the opposite direction and all along the time you have to uh, rip out pages of books to let them know you made checkpoints and then you can be done then or you can run the last leg of it whichever direction you want yeah and people by that time are out of it and like and they've only ever had like the list of finisher finishers of this race is I think it's like 20 yeah, or so. Over like a 10-year period. Like it's, or even long. Yeah. Or like, maybe even yeah, longer. Yeah. It's, like it's it's like maybe one or two a year. Kind well, of and they like haven't it. had a finisher, I think, for two years now. Really? Yeah. Because it's, well, it's weather. It's and, in the spring. It's nasty. And there's no course. That's the problem. And it changes every year. So. Yeah. Well, it's it's a bit of a, uh, a mind. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's definitely there. It's on, on the list. That one's gets it's not as high as some other ones mainly because it's 
it's a different type of chat. Like it's more, it's more of a mind fuck. And I'm not sure if I'm really, <laughs> that's really what I want to do, but, uh, but it does remind me of every bad hunt I've had, like in the Wilmore sheep hunting where we're just kind of lost and you're just bushwhacking and trying to climb a mountain that has no trail. And those aren't fun either. So, but yeah, it's, there's some neat stuff out there. So what do you want to do? What are, What is like on the bucket list for Mr. Shane? Like, what do you got sitting there going, man, I want to get do this one. Well, I have, I have the main kind of races, like the stereotypical ones as like, cause I run, although I like we're talking ultras, but I, I definitely like triathlon as well. I do. I'm one of the few ones probably in ultra that I don't mind road running either. So I think the big three, obviously, for me is Western States, 100 miler is kind of is the Boston of of the ultra world. It's like a lottery to get into. And it's where the history of ultra running came. It came, it was used to be a horse, a horse race. And then some human, probably someone like me said, I can, I can do that. I can do that. And that's how, that's how 100 milers started. And that's how the buckle, if you've ever saw 100 milers normally have a buckle as the, as the award. And that's because it was came from a horse event originally. So no kidding, I did not know that. Yeah, so that's I really want to do because I like history. Like I like that. It's not the hardest course out there. Like there's Leadville, there's Hard Rock that has massive elevation gains in Colorado that that are altitude sickness, you know, and those kinds yeah. of things. And in Europe has some of those, but Western States has that history. Just like Boston, I would like to go to. I'd like to race Boston once. I know lots of runners say, oh, I don't care about Boston. It's mostly because we can't qualify, so it's easier to say you don't want to. But I think anyone that's... Why can't you qualify? Because um, you have to be... You have to get a time. So, um, and being a young male is actually quite hard. Like, so I just changed age groups, but I had to be under uh, three hours and 15 for a marathon. And that's that's moving. So you have to beat that qualifying time to even get a chance to get in. And then how many people in each age group um, depend how much even faster you have to be. So when you're in your 30s, I think you have to be, it's like a 250 or something marathon, which, I mean, not everyone does that. So for me, I think now my new age group is, I think, three hours 20. I've ran 321, so getting there. But you know that's how pissed off. <laughs> it's three twenty one. Yeah, and every t- I've tried three times to qualify, and I'm pretty open. Again, just like my, he- I'm the guy like this is my goal going into race. I don't like to like oh I don't care you know, and then right. oh, I beat my. I was like, I'm come I'm going, and so I know my friends are watching, and my wife's there, and yeah, we're and three times I've really tried. I've picked a race. I've actually got off like quit or reduced my biking and did speed workout and lots of pavement. And yeah, I think I've been 321, 322, 324. And that used to be, they had, they made it even faster. It used to be 325, I think to two years ago. So I would have been in, <laughs> so, but each, each five years you get, it slows down as we get older, but it's not any easier cause you're getting older. So, so that one I'd like to, I'd like to race um, just because of the history of Boston. Everyone knows Boston, right? So, yeah. And then Kona for the triathletes, like you had Ross on here and, um, Kona's the big one for a triathlon. Uh, it's kind of, 
it again it's the history of it it's the it was where the first iron man was again it's probably not the hardest when iron man was in whistler it was probably a much harder course but it's just it's the history of of on the on the island so i like the races that are kind of that history because i've been lucky i've been able to triathlon has a bunch of different world championships so i've done i've got to represent been on team canada for that as an age grouper in penticton two years ago and then i was supposed to race world champions in edmonton this year but covid so i got a nice team canada <laughs> tri suit <laughs> i can't fit into because i got some covid weight but uh it's there for next oh, yeah, year yeah, you're looking real heavy but <laughs> i have for 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 me but uh <laughs> but yeah so those are the three but i i think also is I think my wife will kill me, but I definitely want, they call it the triple, um, which is the three 200 uh, milers in the same year. So Mohab, so there's Tahoe, Big Bigfoot, and Mohab, the three of them, they're a month apart. It's like August, September, August, yeah. August, every September. every month there's a new one? Yeah, the same. And, so they, and you want to do all three? Yeah. In the same year? Yeah. Because I was... I was inspired because I got to run with some people that did it, and you're like, that's badass. <laughs> I'll need a sponsor probably to get to that level. But <laughs> <laughs> Anybody listening, eh? Can you we... want to see me suffer for <laughs> three months? <laughs> Can we talk about the double then? Because you've done what you have termed the double. Yes. Where you do Ironman Canada followed by the Canadian Death Race, correct? Correct, yeah. So I, I think I've done it three times. I don't each race, for sure twice. Uh, and last year I did it. So it's Ironman Canada. So the last couple of years have been in Whistler and on the Sunday. Then Recover Monday. How, how, how far are you running on that? So Ironman, Ironman is a 3.8K swim, 180K bike, and a marathon 42K run. Okay. Which so, takes you how long? How long are you doing um, that for? I think my PB is like 10.45. Okay. So normally 11 hours to 11 and a half is normal. Geez, should have started out with this because this feels like 11 hours. Like, come on. Like <laughs> child's play. Yeah, they're different, right? It's a different beating up of the body. <laughs> it's uh, I'm teasing. Like well, a, eleven hours of going at it. Like I, a mountain hundred is definitely harder than Ironman, but it's just different, and it's and it's a totally different group of people. That's why I love what I call it, like a the double a week. So, I we normally so we pack up Monday, drive back normally to Wainwright, change clothes, get out of the spandex drop the bike off, load up the ultra gear, which is more like the the running vest, the 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 extra pairs of shoes, the trail shoes and kind of do all that change and then yeah, drive up to Grand Cache on the Friday. And then I've raced uh Death Race, which is 125k and three uh, mountain summits. And most days I'm not sure how it, or most weeks or the twice I've done it or three times I've done it is Tuesday, Wednesday, you're like, I don't know if I can run it. Thursday, like, ah, it's not too bad. Friday, I'm like, okay. And then Saturday, you do it, and it'll just see how long you can hold on. And, yeah, I've been able to finish. 
I feel it. The fatigue hits about in the legs, 50, 60 K in. You're like, this is just dumb. Shane. <laughs> you're a moron. What, That's if, right. what does your wife say when you drive all the way out to Whistler, <laughs> do that, turn around, drive all the way back to Wainwright, turn around, drive all the way to Grand Cash? Um, like that doesn't seem fun whatsoever. No, well, some years, I guess actually the last couple or last year we um, her parents have a place in Sycamore, so we do we, uh, to try to make it fun for the kids. We do some <laughs> water skiing for a couple of days. That's my recovery is some, <laughs> some tubing, <laughs> sleep on a boat, and then we uh, cruise. But uh, she she's learned the game, and it's she loves Whistler. She gets um. Her daily or probably three, four times a day Starbucks gets a week uh, unlimited yoga pass. And I don't see her until race day normally because she's making sure that uh, she gets her time. <laughs> and then, then it's a lot like at Ironman, it's all, I mean, the aid stations are all over the place. That's the run there every mile. So you don't have to bring anything. And they just, I see them once or twice in the course and, uh, that day's not too bad for her. She can hit up some yoga. The kids can go do whatever they want and then uh, get prepared. Death race is a longer day. She spends a lot of time waiting for me, sometimes in the dark, sometimes in the rain. So she's, uh, a, she's a saint, definitely. Let's me do my dreams at times. Uh, a couple times I'm like, okay, that's the last time I'm doing it. And then she'll be like, you know what? We could do it better. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what did you say? It, it was the same thing as Mohab because I was like, okay, I'm never doing this again. And she's like, you know what? If we came back again, we'd stay here <laughs> and do this. So I was like, oh, okay. Obviously, she didn't hate it too much. No, I I, I think it's, it's, we're just used to it. And it's, I, I think Alberta is different because it's the same people like you see at the same races. So, some, you know, she sees some people. She knows it. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a community. Yeah, yeah. And I can see how it is. I mean, as many people out there as are running 100-mile races, it's a lot smaller than what's living in, say, Lloydminster. Yeah, so like a local race, it's, yeah, it feels like going back, like the old, I'm probably dating myself, cheers, you know, like yeah. Norm, kind of like you're yelling out. That's what I love about ultra racing. It's it's that. Where Ironman week is, it's, 2000 type a personalities with $10,000 bikes and everyone's wearing their race kit everywhere they go to make sure you know that they're an iron man. And it's just different. Everyone's, everyone's a, you're competing against each other and you're like, it's about time and placing and stuff. So there's not as friendly. Whereas ultra running, it's a different community because you might need that person to, like I said, I to found pick that, the guy yeah, up like, off the, Dude, let's walk before you die. Yeah. I'll just leave me. Oh, seriously, start moving. Whereas like at Ironman or even, you know, a marathon or some, you'd be like running by and some guy will be on the side of the road. You'd be like, you okay? And you've already passed him really before he answers because you don't really care. <laughs> you're just, you okay? Just because you're being polite. Ultra, you'll stop. And like if someone's, I'll walk with you for a bit if you're cramping up or I got some salt clap or here's some water or whatever because... At the end of the day, no one really cares if you're first or 10th or last as long as you finish because no one else is coming sometimes, right? Like you're in the mountains. You got to look after each other. So it's a different community. Well, we've been going for roughly an hour and a half. This has been <laughs> extremely interesting. 
Uh, I'm going to move us on to the Crude Master Final Five. That's the last okay. five questions for you, as you've probably known from listening to a couple of them. Uh, go as long or short, goes down as many rabbit holes as you like. We got right. nothing but time. First one is, I like I love this question because I, I find it fascinating to hear who other people think are fascinating. But if you could sit down with one person, sit and have a coffee with, or maybe an adult beverage if you so choose, is there somebody you'd you'd want to sit and, and pick the brain of? Well, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm going to probably nerd out here and be like, as a biologist, uh, Charles Darwin. I think the beginning of like the person of evolution and when it wasn't cool to, to think of evolution and some of the stuff that he was able to, we still, Darwin's theory and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I think that history would be, I, just to be in the time when science wasn't a, like, a thing would have been really, when everything was new. What would you ask him? I, I'm not sure what I'd ask. I I think I just it'd be interesting to see before we kind of fucked up a lot of things. Just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> I, I just the thought process to to go away from um definitely of you know that we just appeared and stu- you know animals you know like the bible and all that other, like whatever theory you want to go but to go no we evolved and to really and talk about genetics and that it matters and stuff i think that stuff's pretty cool mainly because i guess i have a mental health and i look at it as my dad suffered and stuff like genetics and science is i find is is cool because it's hard to figure out and so just uh some of the stuff that those early scientists would be pretty fascinating just to because you're you're out of the norm at that time so and then other people i love to talk to even old trappers and old settlers i i like that history stuff just before i always amazed as when you're outside when i as i you know run outside bike outside work outside hunt out whatever it is just what it looked like before it been it would have been super interesting to go back 150 years and come back to this spot and see what it looked like. Yeah, like it's because you have these stories. It's kind of like elk are getting more common here, but elk were here originally, like when the settlers came, you know, on the prairies and stuff. And so just to see what would have been here, grizzly bears on the prairies and all these different things, it would just been interesting to see. I I like that kind of stuff. Well, I. Uh, I get to, uh, I was saying to you before we started that I get to sit down and I've been working with the Lloyd Archives on doing, you know, sitting down with, you know, I'm, I think the oldest person now that I've sat down with is 95, I want to say. So almost 100 years ago, they have, you know, let's call it 90 years ago because <coughs> they're first born, they're not remembering yeah. anything. But they got, they got stories that are just fascinating, right? Yeah. Like 60 years ago, you know, uh, the latest one that I'd never heard before was uh, the walls of the house were, there was cracks in them. So the wind would blow through and nights were extremely cold. So they were all sleeping in the same bed, all nine of them, seven kids, two parents, and the wind would just blow through. And he just says, all I can remember about being back then was I was always cold. Right. And you just, well, I mean, look at where we're at now. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's it's hard to even... How do you even go back to that? Like, you you, you can't even get in the same mind frame mind frame because it's just, like, it's from a different time. Yeah, and that's what makes it... Because um, originally, actually, our 
our old family harm, uh, homestead is at Unity, and it's over a hundred year home. Okay, yeah. My great aunt lived to hundred years. And she passed away two years ago or something. But yeah, the stories of being this area when it was first like the per- first plow in this area, and it was just amazing what they suffered through. How yeah, and we we get upset now wearing a mask or <laughs> traffic light or something. No like kidding. That. Like or whatever the new age you know issue. Our Wi-Fi's out and. Oldest guy I ever interviewed was from Unity. Oh, yeah? Cy Campbell. He's the guy who flew in World War II. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it really, really, well, and I don't know, this is episode 117, I think, if uh, memory serves me correct. And that 117, he's right up there as one of the most, like, hair-raising things ever. Talking about being flying up, being a tail gunner in World War II and flying, like, 36 missions over enemy territory. Like what? Like once again, that's yeah. something from a different a different time, a different like we haven't seen anything like that in our lifetimes. No. Yeah, like we get like I said, we get upset with when our Wi Fi is slow or something like that. So Well <laughs> I remember being on the farm and when we first got uh, internet, it was dial up. Mm-hmm. Like man, that was bad internet. And it took forever to do anything. And now like man, it is quick. Like, it's almost surprisingly how quick it is, but you're right. It slows down for a little bit. You're like, what the heck's going on here? Let's yeah. just get moving. That's our that's our problems these days. Yeah. If you could if you could run in one country, not um, North America, where would you where would you run? Not North America? Yeah. So you're Europe, you're Africa, you're I don't know, where wherever. Um Probably I like New Zealand's way up there. I think it's a beautiful looking place, um, rugged as well, and still fairly primitive. Be ne- I think it'd be neat. There's some races there. I've actually looked. Uh, France is another one. The Alps. I was I was lucky enough to go. My wife's family is from France and went there to watch the Tour de France one year. You and, went and watched the Tour de France. Yeah, and I actually rode a stage, the the Alpe d'Huez stage. I. I pre-wrote it two uh, two days before the they came through. They came through, and uh, it was actually probably one. It ranks way up there in one of the best experiences I did. I did a two a Glibier mountain as well. I don't. It was like a three four thousand meter a day, and I don't know how long of a stage. But I rode the whole stage, both climbs, and both mountain stages were closed. The roads, and they were already camped along the side, getting ready for. Um, the race, and then when I did Elp Diaz, all the switchbacks were packed with people in the Dutch. They call it the Dutch corner, where the Dutch uh, all hang out. They all wear orange and they paint the the road. They were already drunk two days before, and I had a can- Canadian jersey on, and they're like, "Oh, Canada!" And you're like, it was like by far the like you felt like a superstar. And then uh, my wife's family or my wife's uh, cousin worked for the promotion, and we got VIP. Uh, Spots. We were at the finish line at El Diaz two days later, and uh, Ryder Heschel, like the Canadian, almost won. he was in the breakaway. I did, but it was it was unreal. Like to watch them ride what I had run, much ride like much faster. But it was cool. It was a neat experience. Well, Tour de France is one of those events, right? Like it is. Yeah, like we you don't you don't realize it till you're there. Like it's, I mean. It's neat. It's neat to watch. I mean, we went to I think three stages, and we watched them finish in Paris, 
and uh, when they do a couple circuits, and it, I mean, they're flying. Like, you don't realize how fast. Like, I mean, we get lucky on a bike and get the right tailwind or in the 50Ks for, a, you know, a bit. <laughs> they're just going like that in the peloton, just cruising by, and it was neat to watch them finish and see the jersey presentations, and it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's super cool, yeah. Yeah, and at that time, Cavendish was a really big sprinter. It had the green jersey, and he had, we had my wife and I were walking she had this, she has this huge crush on him. <laughs> he ends up riding by us like an hour afterwards on his bike. He was looking for his, uh, his crew or whatever, like some family. And he just happens to be riding down the street. <laughs> it was just a neat thing. Like it was, uh, it was surreal. It was a neat experience. If you like cycling it, that's, it was the neat event, but yeah, I think running there, it was beautiful. Like, and everyone's, everyone runs and bikes and active. That's it's, much more of a well, they're lifestyle. not minus forty for eight months yes. of the year. Yeah. Coolest person you've met um, in your racing travels. Maybe maybe coolest mm. isn't the right word. Maybe most memorable. Um, I think two people stand out. Uh, a good buddy, uh, Bert Blackbird. He's a he's a ultra runner out of. Um, Brandon, Manitoba. I've been able to run. He ran the first year Regina to Brandon, fundraising for Huntington disease. So I ran 100 miles with him, his first 100 miles on the highway we ran. And then the next year he ran, tried to, he tried actually to run from uh, was it, uh, Swift Current to Brandon, 600K. He didn't make it all the way, but I ran another, I ran his first 100 miles with him as well. And he was, at one point he was like crawling on the like 300, 400K into that run. He did nonstop. He didn't want to stop sleep or anything just to bring awareness. And yeah, he was suffering out there and just to bring awareness to a disease that affected like his kind of adopted family. And it was, that's some passion on the road. Uh, really just yeah to 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 put yourself in the pain cave like that is you know you know just like you know the terry foxes of the world and i mean not the same level like that but it's like people that run for a cause that really go deep it, it's they're different people um yeah when you see someone suffer like that i know the first time i got out i ended up running another 50k with him to finish just because we're just trying to keep him going. He's he's a loose. He doesn't even know where he is anymore and stuff. But just for a cause, it's it, it was some great mileage. Uh, I remember the second time we ran together, I ended up getting even at Rabdio, so my kidneys <laughs> broke down after. And my girl spent their thirteenth birthday in the Moose Jaw Hospital uh, parking lot with her motorhome while I was in the hospital that time. But and I tried to get back out with them to to run because that's kind of you know powerful person uh another person i got to run with last year um andy stewart is uh andy ran across canada he's ran across canada i think several times picking up litter in the ditch he came through uh, lloyd and so i drove up from wainwright and met him at vermilion we did 20 or 30 k's and yeah he pushes a little like a stroller and he he picks up litter in the ditch as he crosses Canada. And so because of COVID and stuff, he's been cleaning up the highways of just BC because he's in BC. But 
you spend time with guys like that, that like when people are picking up other people's piss bottles or uh, chew bottles and stuff in the ditch and thousands of Tim Horton cups and everything else, just because it's, it's amazing. That you could probably get more airtime on, on the old news network, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think those people, yeah, they come through some places and, and both those guys aren't really out there for that. Right. So they're just plodding around, but, and it was amazing miles with him because I don't know how he keeps positive. Cause he's like, they're still just as dirty the next year. And people tell him that too. Right. And, why are you doing it? Cause someone's just going to throw it well because someone has to clean it up and yeah, it's, and he picks up, he has it separated where he has cans and bottles and, uh, on one side of the, and he can only go until he's full and then he, you know, just wanders and he camps, tents it in random spots under bridges, wherever, every once in a while, a hotel, maybe imagine some. the stories he's got. Oh yeah. It was just, and his pot, like he's still positive, which is, I mean, he has his bad days too, but just to do that. And he drops off bags of recycling at like a school or something that hopefully they'll use the money for something. <laughs> and then I'd like try to give him like 20 bucks to have supper. And he's like, oh, I don't, I'm like, no, I like, fuck, you need to eat too, man. What's, you know, at the start of this, you said that um, your mind playing uh with with you on injuries while you're running what is the worst injury you've come you ran through and at the end you've gone to the hospital or the first aid station and they're like uh yeah we need to fix that um rabio was probably the one is um, the one yeah like i've been like i haven't had anything else that i really need to be i mean blisters some trench foot or something that's that's just part of the game that's really it. The only time I've ever had to go to the hospital or even a doctor after a race was that time. And uh, I'd gone in not feeling good, but because it was for a good cause, I ran and I pace where I'm not doing what I normally run. I run at someone else's pace. And he, he wanted to run fast. We ran t the first 100 miles in 21 hours, which is fairly fast. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was sick. And I just kept going and I'm like, I have to stop at a hundred miles. And then the next morning, my wife just said, you stink. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been running. <laughs> like we're in this motor home we borrowed from a friend to go across the country. And uh, she's like, no, you smell different. It was like ammonia smell because my kidneys weren't. And so I, I yeah, I pissed uh, cola, it looked like. And then yeah, I went to the hospital and I'm, I'm limping in there walking. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, my wife says I stink. <laughs> like, they're like, though is your legs i'm like no that's just normal i just ran 100 miles and they looked at me like i was an alien and and it, it was hard to, I'm like that's not my problem and then i walked in i'm like and i only went in to make her happy and uh they took my test and they're like are you sure nothing else is wrong i'm like no the rest will heal itself don't worry about that i want to get back up and run just, you need to tell my wife i'm good to go and then the doctor comes in and she's like you're not going anywhere and i think i had seven I, iv bags or something like that <laughs> and then yeah, I was off. That was probably the only time I've been ordered to not act, do any activity for a week. And then the, a week after, I, two weeks later, I ran another 100 miler, though. So your kidneys bounce back. <laughs> Is it, does it just absolutely impress you what you can put the human body through? Yeah. I think so many people don't realize. Underestimated. Oh, yeah. Like this. Like 
you, I'm not promoting like to run or like hurt or um, to get robbed you at times, but uh, you learn lessons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, I you go through the checks and once you're cleared, yeah, I run again. But and yeah, I ran another good hundred mile or two weeks after being. I mean, probably seven IV bags or whatever. It's good for the recovery plan. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it the best way, but uh, your body can really heal. If you, I think, like, it's funny when you look at the original stuff when people did marathon plans, you know, take a week off or a day off for every kilometer you run. Well, you don't need to do that. I, you know, I said this to few people before but the only thing i got that remotely relates to it is once upon a time when i was 20 we biked across canada right yeah and so like people are like when you say that people people are like you did what and i'm like well when you say it and you look at the grand scheme it's like how the heck do you do that but you just you know my brother has a way of just well we just got on the bike every day and just started pedaling and we seen how far we could get and then you'd stop and we had a hotel food shower like i mean we did it the nice way. We didn't right. camp on the side of the road. And I mean, we did some silly things too, but I mean, it is pretty impressive what you do. If you just keep putting one foot in front of the other or hop on a bike and just keep the pedals going, you don't have to go and mock chicken. You just got to keep moving forward. And when you do that, it's pretty impressive that one, you just also look back and you're like, Oh man, you've gone quite a ways. Yeah, I, first of all, that's really impressive. It's kind of on my bucket list. I'm going to do. I love to, to, to get across Canada. Yeah, I think I'd love to do that. Only thing, only thing that scared me now. I tell you what, the only thing that really would scare me now is the texting, the phones. Yeah, is you would need like when we did it, we we didn't have anybody following us, didn't have anyone in front of us, so we just relied on making sure that nobody ran us over. I guess, and I mean, maybe we were fortunate. I don't know, but back then there was. Very limited cell use in 2006, right? Now. Yeah, there's some rough days. Like, I put on a lot of miles on highways, and I think people would be blown away how many people are on the phone because you see them, right? Like, especially yeah. on a, if I'm on a one-laner, I see them coming at me, and I can see their head in their crotch or wherever, you know? And you, there's nothing that sounds worse than someone behind you hitting rumble strips, you know, they're do- and you're like, <laughs> my main thing is at least at the highway, if they're doing 110, it's probably quick, at least if they hit me kind of thing, but um, there's nothing you can do, but yeah, there is more of it. Definitely. It's, but yeah, it's high on my list. I'd like to go across and I agree. I think I truly believe with some training, like if you can swim and ride a bike, run, walk, I think, pretty much anyone can do an Ironman and I think anyone can do an ultra with, I'm not saying like from zero to a hundred mile, like that month kind of thing, but, but if you put your mind to it and yeah, have a little I, bit of discipline. Yeah. I think just about anyone could like, I don't think they're only impressive because we think that's just not doable, but it is doable. Like everyone, like people are doing them all the time. We just don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not that it's that hard. It's just, like you said, it's just doing, like getting up and getting, you know, it's ultra running is like running with quotation marks. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hiking. There's some walking, you know, it's, it's doable. You just, a lot of people just don't want to. It's not going to all be fun, but it's rewarding and it at times and it's, but our bodies can take it. The less training you have is just, 
it just turns out the days after are way worse. Like you run, go from zero to not, you know, run a marathon with no training. You can finish the marathon. Then you might not walk for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> That's where training helps you is the recovery. But anyone can, like, I'm not dismissing what we're doing, but it's, I think anyone can do it if you just, if they let their mind do it. Well, I don't know what I just literally today sat down with Larry Sauer. I don't expect that name to mean anything to you. He was a teacher here in Lloyd Minster and coached football for a lot of years. And he was talking about uh, um, affecting the youth, and he really enjoyed that. And he talked about a kid trying out for football, and he was, call it 340 pounds, and could hardly run across this room, which isn't very far, as we've been talking about 240 miles. But they kept on him and just said, just keep coming to practice, keep coming to practice. And by the end of the year, in his first year, then he could run um, around the football field. You know, and I mean from – here yep. to that that's a big difference yeah and by his third year in football he's one of the lead, you know and you could just see the progression right and for a lot of people they don't want to put in that work to get there well it's consistency the first yeah. i think especially with with fitness is whether it's you know hockey or running or biking or whatever if you're consistent with it you'll get better you might not be an all-star, but you'll get better just be from doing it. But it's those first probably week or two that's always that most people quit. But it's once you get over that hurdle, you don't have to run 100-mile weeks for training. You just need to be consistent, whether it's 5K or whatever, like a couple times a week. It's not. Um, Hell, it could be 1K. Yeah. Right? It's just like being just, consistent and doing something. Yeah. It's amazing how that steps can go together. And then what I always love about it, uh, not running, just anything. Um, I used to, when I was playing in on, um, Wisconsin, I was living with my brother and his wife and I was running with their dog every day. And what would happen was by day 10, 12, 21, I'd have those days where I didn't want to go. I mean, and you hear people talk about it. Those are the days you got to go. Yeah. And if you don't go, your body doesn't feel right anymore. Yeah. So I can just imagine what you guys feel like if you don't go running. Like after you you do it for so long, your body probably doesn't feel that great. It's like, ah, no. I should have just went. No, that's why a lot of guys don't like recovery days. Um, and I guess when I say I take a recovery day, there's probably still some swimming or I have three dogs, so I walk lots, you know, or, you know, just, but you, you move. It doesn't have to be this yeah. intense thing, but it's just like, a, you know, a dog I think is the best thing for running because it makes you want to go. It, it forces you to go inside once in a while, right? And it's like my dogs want to run, and uh, I mean, my dog now runs, yeah, like eighty k runs and stuff like that. But uh, it's probably unique too. But uh, I think it's just that consistency, and even walking your dog and running two or three. I know ultra runners that most of their training is, ten, you know, an hour or two, just long walks with their dog and hiking and stuff. It's not. The, you don't have to do some track workouts and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, uh, the feat of going that distance is incredible. But I think you mentioned it very early on in this. The hardest part about an ultra is what goes through your brain at the darkest times or the hardest hours. Yeah. And that's normally people with, with high DNF rates and, or, or don't have success. I, I think, quit because their picture of what's going to happen is quite 
different than the reality. And that's why I'm quite blunt with people when they first is there's going to be some suck. <laughs> and you just, but if you know, like if, because everyone sees Instagram nowadays or whatever, right? And it's like, oh, it's beautiful well, we're not, sunset, sunrise. We're not running with smiles on our faces, yeah. loving life. Look, they're on top of the summit. They don't even look sweaty. But instead, when you get on the summit, it's 60K winds and it's hailing sideways, right? And it, you're it, trying to take that perfect <laughs> picture. Gay guys, this is awesome. Yeah. So it's, I think if, but as soon as it gets ugly, they're like, all right, I'm tapping out, right? It's. And then I think majority of them regret it almost instantly as soon as, cause it's like, sometimes you have to even walk out of where you quit. <laughs> like it's like, might as well have kept going forward instead of backwards. And then by the next day, it's, I think there's some regret. So it's, it's really knowing. And some of it comes down to why, why are you doing it to be out there? You know who David Goggins is? Yeah. yeah. What do you think of David Goggins? I liked his, I listened to his audio yeah. book and stuff. There's some. He's an extremist. He's right? extreme, yeah. Um, but I, I like what I like what he says yeah. about callousing your mind, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, and it's true. You just sometimes you just have to toughen up and and suck it up and move forward and and just embrace. I think you have to embrace the suck at times, <laughs> and just <laughs> because after the suck, there's good. There's, there's pizza at the end or beer or whatever. It's, it's good. Cause I guess I'm different. My why is I'm not, like I said, most time my wife or kids are at with me. I'm not quitting in front of my kids. So that's my why. So I just keep going forward. <laughs> so final one, if you could own hypothetically a record in Guinness book of world records, what would your record, what would you want? <laughs> I don't know. That one's. I've never thought of that one. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I really. I'm not really a record person, so I've never. I've never really. And yet you and yet you tried scaling Everest in the prairies. Yeah. That would have been a record for the uh, locally, yeah, around there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what it a record would be. That's a, <laughs> that's a stumper. Hey, yeah. well, it's the first time I asked it, so. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really do appreciate you coming in and uh, sitting down. I've, I, I got to be honest. I, I, I enjoy all my podcasts, but this has been pleasure getting to know you um meeting you as we walked in the building and and sitting down this has been a lot of fun and um i really look forward to seeing what you do here in in the future like with this running like this is pretty cool like we're gonna get you out to some of these runs yeah that's what everybody keeps saying but uh i keep saying i'm a horrendous runner like i even mikey as we're running goes oh you're not built for running like Screw you, Mike. All right. I'm well, Mikey's, play- Mikey's definitely built as a runner. Yeah, um, he's a little gazelle. And I'm <laughs> a freaking rhino. Well, I that's how I feel. Like when I line up in the A corral at a marathon, I'm I'm 180, 190 pounds depending. Uh, yeah, I I feel like the fat guy in a little coat there <laughs> syndrome. Like, and I'm not fat a real big. I'm not a real big dude, coat. but I'm looking around at a lot smaller dudes. Um, but you have incredible. I I think 
Lloyd Minister, I think it's nice for you guys, for you to get um, these guys out there, like on out in the public, because there's some incredible athletes that just don't do mainstream mainstream uh, sports. But that group of Lloyd runners are putting, you know, the local area on the map on these races. And and yeah, there's some incredible athletes that people just think, oh, they're just jogging. But, you know, they take it. It's a pretty serious sport, just like any other sport out there. But Except I think people just don't know it. Yeah, well, and it's just, it's extreme. Yeah. It's, it's super cool to to listen to and hear because it's just, you know, I know there's a lot of ultra marathon guys out there. I, I get it. Yeah. But there isn't, you know, a billion of them, right? Like that isn't true. No, it's, I mean, it's getting a little bit and it goes up and down like like everything. It's but getting more mainstream, but you got to be pretty hardcore to run a hundred miles. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And that isn't just something you go and do tomorrow. And I'd say the, there's a big chunk that do one and you never <laughs> see them again. <laughs> 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 nope, that not 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 for me anymore. Yeah, and I mean everyone says that at 100 mile, I'm never doing that again. But there's a bunch that, yeah, that's good because <laughs> you'd never see them, or one or two years, and that's good. Oh goodness gracious! Well, once again, thanks for driving on up. This has been an extreme pleasure, of mine. Thanks again, yeah, Shane. Thanks. Hey, folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.